Hey, everybody. I'm Jen Garrett, and I've used my Move the Ball system to help thousands of people to think and execute like a pro athlete when it comes to business and branding. Now, I'm on a mission to help you utilize the same tools and strategies to elevate your hustle and get you across the goal line. So get ready. It's time to suit up, to show up, and to move the ball. Hey, everyone. Jen Garrett here. It's great to be back with you for another episode of Move the Ball. If this is your first time listening, welcome. And if you've been a part of the Move the Ball community for quite some time, welcome back. I'm glad that you are here with us today. This podcast is all about business, branding, sports, and of course, how to move the ball. And if you haven't already done so, and yes, I say this at the beginning of pretty much every show, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on your platform of choice so that you never miss an episode. And to those who have reached out to me about the show over the past few weeks, thank you so much for all of your feedback. I truly appreciate all of you. All right. So today I've got a fantastic guest, amazing guest with us, someone who is currently playing in the NFL, who has a college football national championship under his belt, and he knows how to make plays happen. So inside the huddle with us today and ready to share his perspectives, his insights, his lessons, and to help us move the ball is Shaheem Carter. Shaheem is an NFL defensive back who is currently playing with the Houston Texans. Prior to the NFL, Shaheem played college football at the University of Alabama, Roll Tide, where during his senior year, Shaheem played in all 13 games, having 43 tackles, two and a half tackles for loss, TFLs, seven pass breakups, and a forced fumble. Throughout his career at Bama, Shaheem recorded 100 tackles, six of them being TFLs, and three interceptions, two of those picks being returned for touchdowns, which we'll talk about in the show. And lastly, to share, Shaheem was a member of Alabama's 2017 National Championship team, where they beat out Georgia in overtime, which we, of course, will also talk about in today's show. So without further ado, Shaheem, welcome to the show. Hey, how you guys doing? Thanks for having me. Well, I'm so glad to have you with us. Excited to have you chatting with us today. I mean, I just saw you recently when you were training down in New Orleans, and I know you're back in Houston now getting ready for the NFL season. And I'm sure that uh, I'm speaking for so many people listening when I say that we are ready for the NFL season to get underway and have football back. And of course, we will talk about Bama football on the show. But where I want to kick off our conversation is let's talk about how football connects so well to just being successful in life. And to do that, first off, just tell us about how did you get into football? What's your story? Uh, man, my story is on how I got into football. All my family members played football growing up. I wanted to be just like those guys. My grandpa, when I was younger, he used to always work me out or have me working out, uh, having me in the yard, running around with me in the yard. It was some kind of ball in my hand, whether it was football, it was a football, baseball, or basketball. I always had a ball in my hand running around the yard, and he would thrive on it. People may not know this, but baseball was my sport. So I wanted to play baseball real bad. My grandpa played baseball. I wanted to be like him growing up. Baseball didn't turn out very well for me. So football it was. <laughs> so I, I just kind of stuck with football, realized I was pretty good and could make something out of myself if I stick with it and do all the right things. From then on, it was all strictly football. And what was it aside from being good at the game that made you really want to just stick with it? Being able to change my family lives, being able to change my kids' lives. I had my daughter when I was 15 years old. So being able to change her life, then the next year I had my son, 16 years old. So I had two kids before I was 18. 
So being able to change their lives differently from how I grew up in the environment that I grew up in was, you know, that was my reason why. Sure. And as somebody who also had kids young, having my first, I was 17, turning 18. I mean, I know what it's like to kind of try to figure out life as still a kid yourself and and be a parent and care for your kids. And so for me, football taught me things to continue on and to be successful, overcoming these obstacles and of being a teen parent and, and just figuring out how to be successful in life. So for you, what were some of the lessons that being a competitive athlete taught you to be able to be a successful teen parent to your kids and also just to continue to thrive as you continued on in your career? I basically teach my kids how I was taught growing up. Me personally, I hate losing. I hate losing more than I like winning. Losing is a pet peeve of mine in anything. So having that competitive spirit in me, I'm always anxious to get it done. Always, I want to do it perfect, even though there's no perfect people in the world. I always want to do it perfect. I try to perfect everything that I do. So that's just the competitive spirit in me and instilled in my kids as well. And so aside from that competitive spirit, are there other things that football or baseball have taught you that you really think have been helpful for you to be successful playing college football, playing in the league, and just in life in general? Football, baseball, basketball, all sports taught me a lot. Just about watching those different sports outside of football, sports that I didn't play when I, I played when I was growing up, about the people you meet, coaches you be around. It just teaches you so much. It teaches you how to be humble. It teaches you how to fight through adversity. Small things that people don't really see people don't really appreciate a lot of the time. Absolutely. So let's talk about you playing football in high school for a second, because, you know, I mentioned when I read your bio that you play defensive back currently, but you actually played on both sides of the ball in high school. And so you went to Kentwood Mm -hmm. High School during your high school career, class 1A offensive MVP. You had 57 tackles, five interceptions your senior year, threw for 2,443 yards while rushing for 1,648 yards and 30 total touchdowns on F offense. Pretty impressive. And I know there's folks that listen to the show that are stat junkies, so always have to read out some stats. But talk to us for a minute about playing high school ball and what was it about you that made you so elite? I, I always had a great work ethic. I was always working around the clock. My mentor, he was always on me about, you know, working out. And I knew once I was pretty decent in football, I knew that he was going to be on me. And I knew I had to separate myself from guys in my class and guys before me or after me. I knew I had to separate myself because I knew it was guys. I knew it was somebody that was always outworking me. So I was trying to outwork them as well. So he was always on me about working out, always on me about being a student athlete. Always keeping my grades up, things like that. So I didn't want to let nobody down that was real close to me. Always uplift them and keep a positive attitude about everything. Like I said, I didn't want to let nobody down. So that was just me in high school. And I know that I was one of the best players on my high school football team. And I knew if I was doing it, they would do it. So I just wanted to get those guys. Keep going. I knew guys on my high school team wasn't going to be able to play football at the next level. I had the opportunity. So everything pretty much that I told them, they listened. They, they respected me as a teammate, as a player on the team. They respected me as a person. So it wasn't even like, oh, he think he did that in the third just because he was, he was ranked in the country or whatever. So as I went, they went. Those guys went. And they helped us win a lot of games, win championships. And so you were one of the top cornerbacks prospects coming out of high school in the nation, as you mentioned. And so you had offers from a number of schools. You obviously chose Alabama. I know you were looking at Georgia, LSU, Ole Miss, Miami, just as some examples. Why Bama? 
Bama had that it factor. I get asked all the time why I went to Alabama and why I didn't go to LSU or why I didn't go to another school. Bama has the it factor. I'm a winner. If you want to win hardware, go to Bama. If you want to just be a part of a school and not get the proper work, not get the proper coach and things like that, you can go to other schools. Not saying that other schools don't have great coaches because they do. But if you want to be coached by the best, if you want to play underneath the best, if you want to play against the best every day in practice, then go to Bama. That was one of the reasons why I went to Bama because I knew I was going to get first round players every day at practice. Whether there was, I was sitting in the locker room, I was sitting in the meeting rooms with first round players at my position. So, with that being said, man, it was it was just so much at stake for me and my family. Like I mentioned earlier, I wanted to change my family lives, and by me going to Alabama was the best decision I ever made to change my family lives. Well, I love that. And as you know, I mean, I'm a fellow Alabama alum, so definitely great choice and definitely glad to uh, to have gotten to see you play on uh, the Alabama football team when you were there. So let me ask you this. what I mean, you talked about playing for great coaches, playing with other great athletes. When you look at Nick Saban, I mean, no question, Nick is an amazing leader, a great coach. He definitely knows how to win and he has that it factor. As someone who's been close to Coach Saban, what is it in your mind that makes him so great? How he operates. Uh, he operates differently, totally different from every head coach, every other head coach in college football. Even coaches in the NFL, he operates totally different from Man, he, he, he always, always on us. He's always working like, once he opens his eyes in the morning, he's working from the time he opens his eyes to the time he closes his eyes. That's what makes him so great. He's always just on it. And he always expects the best out of his players, out of his coaches, out of everything, out of everybody. He always expects the best. So when you get coached by a guy like that, you want to give your best every opportunity you get to perform in front of him. And that's why, you know, players come to Bama. That's how he built that when he first got there. And, you know, guys playing with him like Julio Jones, uh, Javier Arenas, and all those guys, they built in deep Alabama. So me coming in a decade or so after those guys, just kind of like, dang, I got to kind of keep it up. I got to kind of keep this Bama factor going. And when you don't keep it going, it's like like you feel like you upset those guys because they built it. So and the guys now, they want to keep the same thing going like for my class and previous classes before me, too. They want to keep it going. They want to make them a special place, not just for the next, you know, what I'm saying the next 10, 15 years, but forever. Absolutely. And as I'm listening to you, I mean, I'm thinking about, you know, you chose to go to Bama because of the it factor and the people that you would be surrounding yourself with. And I think it's important that we're always looking at who are we surrounding ourselves with, because the great players, the great athletes, elite leaders in life are those people that really continue to look to outwork yesterday. That's the Alabama hashtag, right? Outwork yesterday to be great, to push others to be great. And when you're around greatness, you also want to take yourself to a next level because of who you're around. Right. So let me ask you, who at Bama really challenged and pushed you to be better? Coach Saban, honestly, when you perform in front of him every day at practice, like you want to make all those reps count. My job was to cover receivers. Don't let them catch the ball. No way, no how. And that's what I did. And I feel like if I let somebody catch the ball, even at practice, I felt Oh, I let Coach Saban down. I let the team down. I let the defense down. I let my teammates down. And that wasn't a good feeling for me. But when I made plays at practice, celebrated, and it was right back to the next play. As a defensive back, you got to go in your head, out your head. You got to forget about the next play. Even if it was a great play, great or bad play, you got to forget about it. But Saban definitely pushed me the hardest. He always coached me hard. 
So, yeah, he definitely pushed me the hardest because I always wanted to be perfect in front of him. And there's no such thing as a perfect person in this world. Sure. And so let's talk about your junior year for a moment. Your junior year, you led the team. You had two of the Tides pick sixes in the season. What was that like for you? It was a special year. My junior and senior year, well, all my years, honestly, was special. But my junior year, having those two pick sixes, uh, man, it felt good. Uh, I always tell my mentor or whatever, like, man, I know if I, whenever I catch a pick, I know I'm going to score a touchdown because, like, my offensive abilities just kick in. I know I'm going to score. I have to score. So that's what I did. Every time I caught the ball, caught an interception, I tried to score. That's what I did that year. And then your senior year, the last game of your career, you picked off a pass in the final game. What was that like for you, being that it was your final game in college? It was so surreal just standing in that stadium. I caught my first pick there, pick six. I caught my last uh, interception in that same stadium. So, man, it, it was just so surreal having that feeling for your first and last interception in, that, in the same stadium, wearing the same colors. And after I caught the pick, obviously, um, I didn't score that one. I had the Tony toe tap, I guess I would say. So I caught the pick, and I like a couple plays before that, I spotted my mom, my mentor in the stands. And I was like, man, if I catch a pick on this drive, I'm going to run the ball, I'm going to take the ball to my mom, give it to my mom. It was just like in-game moment that hit me when I saw my, my family in the stands. So caught the pick, and that's why I ran. So I ran straight to my mom, tossed her the ball in the stands, and went and celebrated with the fellas. Wow, that's awesome. So when you look back at your time at Bama, and we're going to talk about the national championship game in a minute. but when you, So aside from that, when you look back at your college football career, what was the most memorable game for you? Most memorable game was definitely the year we won a natty. Definitely that year. But my most memorable moment was me catching the interception the last game of, the, of my uh, senior season and tossing the ball in the stance to my mom. That was the, probably the proudest college moment ever I ever had. It's a great way to end the college career for sure. Yeah. So football is all about there's highs and lows. There's fumbles, missed tackles, missteps, those kind of things. So when you look back at your career, and you talked about you can't focus on the last play, you got to focus on the next play. Can you talk to us about a time when something didn't go right and how you had to pick yourself back up and keep going and stay locked in? A time when things didn't go right? The SEC Championship, my junior season, nothing was going right for us. I think we was actually down, I think. And I was a leader on the team, and I wanted to get the guys together and try to make a rally back. And I talked to the guys during halftime and while we was on the sideline, while we was down, guys, you know, was having a head down. Guys was really wasn't into the game, honestly. And was just trying to like, I just kept like giving guys a pep talk. And that's when like adversity hit us. We down, whatever the score was, we down in the game. Georgia is really getting the best of us at that time in the game. And guys walking around with their head down, adversity had to hit us. And me being an uplifted guy, I try to just talk to the team, talk to individual players on the team. Just come on. I, I like I carry the team. Just hop on and stick with me. Ride it out. We'll get through. So that game there, when adversity hit us, I felt the team needed me the most. And that's when I came through for them. I think that's important because sometimes it's easy to get discouraged, to get down. Even when you're, you're playing in the game, you know that, uh, I mean, as a competitive athlete, you know, it's not over till it's over, but as human beings, we're still emotional and you do kind of lose focus or get frustrated. And so you need people to kind of be the leader, right. To help keep the team going and keep them motivated, motivated and energized to continue to play. Correct. So let's talk about the national championships, January 8th, 2018. 
you're in Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. Bama beat Clemson in the Sugar Bowl to get their Georgia beat out Oklahoma in the Rose Bowl. So the morning of that game, like what's going through your mind? Morning of that game, man. Um, just I know we had to come out. I know Georgia was a great team. I know they had two great running backs, good quarterback, good defense, great defense. They had great players just like us. So that morning was going through my mind, like, man, I don't like losing. So we definitely have to win some way, somehow. I don't care. We got to figure out. We got to win. And I'm not telling nobody on the team this, but I'm telling myself this all in my head. And my roommate was uh, Levi Wallace. So we would talk about it or whatever. Like, man, we got to win. <laughs> it's a must win for us. Like, we fight. We fought all this way to come here and win. We didn't come here to lose. We lost to Auburn that year. And people was like, oh, we shouldn't be in the uh, playoffs and things like that. So that game, waking up that next morning, like I said, man, I was just like, man, we got to come. We got to be victorious here in tonight's game. No way. I don't care how we get it done. We just got to get it done. It's mandatory that we get it done. So, I mean, that's what we did. We fought to the very end and got it done. Yeah, I mean, it was obviously a close game. Nail-biter for those that were watching the game. In the game, Jake Fromm throws a pass downfield. First possession intercepted by Tony Brown. Bama begins their first drive of the game, misses the field goal, right? Then there's three and outs and no score at the end of the first quarter. End of the half, 13-0, Georgia's leading. So talk to us about halftime. Like, how are you guys feeling at halftime? Did Coach Saban or anybody else say anything that kind of kept the team focused and, and staying in the game? We definitely had to uh, keep the team focused. I'm pretty sure we were down at halftime again. <laughs> definitely had to keep the team focused. For me, it wasn't my first rodeo of being down in the first half or whatever. So Coach Saban talked to us, and uh, he basically told us we got to play better. Like right now, they're, you know, they're dominating us. We got to go out in the second half and dominate them. And that's what we did. We went out, and we won the game obviously, but that talk in the locker room, man, it, it, it was just so, I, I don't want to say emotional, but it was just so, like, so heart-filling to go out and finish those last 30 minutes with everything you had in you, everything that you worked for from the off-season, from the spring to over the summer to fall camp till now. So, that, and that's what we did. We won one game. And so the game ended up going in overtime. So talk to us about the end of regulation. I mean, you guys had come back from this deficit to stay in the game. I mean, something I talk about in my Move the Ball book is all about playing the full 60. And I mean, both teams played until the end of the fourth quarter and you're in overtime. Like what's going through your mind or the team's mind at that moment going into OT? Well, what was going through my mind was, all right, we got to go. We got to do something. We got to do something. All right, we on defense first, got to get a stop. We on offense first, we got to go score. Obviously, I wasn't playing offense, but on offense, like, you rooting your teammates on. You cheering for them, and you want them to do something special. You want, want them to do something to, you know, be that Alabama legend. And that's what Tua and Smitty did. They both became Alabama legends that game, that night. And everything else was history. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, for those that didn't watch the game, I mean, you know, two ends up getting sacked, a uh, 16 yard loss ends up being a second and 26 play. The next play he throws a pass to, uh, to Devontae Smith to Smitty and, uh, and Bama wins the game. So it was an incredible way to finish the championship game. Uh, both teams played well, obviously the entire time. And so I guess, you know, what were your thoughts? Like after you guys, it, it was, I mean, a nail biter, like I said, through the end, I mean, when you guys actually won, like, how were you feeling? 
after the game, man, I was just like, everything seemed so surreal because that's what I came to Bama to do to win national championships. I didn't come to Bama to lose and to look cool and things like that. I came to Bama to win. So when we won, like, it was just so surreal. That was my first one. So I was just like, so happy for like the team, like the fellas on that team, the coaches, like all the hours they put in, you know, game planning, all the time that we had, all the fights that we had, all the time that we had to stay together as a team, fighting adversity that whole year. Uh, it was just so much. And like, we, we came out on top at the end of the year. And when you look at like guys like Tua and Smitty, I mean, there's so much talent on that team, so many great athletes just throughout Bama's history. But like, what is it in your mind that makes Tua and Devontae great? Like you mentioned, uh, it's a lot of great guys that played on Bama team in the past that's playing now. But what made those two guys special was their work ethic, the chemistry those two guys built together. And just having that chemistry and their work ethics, they was first ones there, last one leave, always doing extra things to be a step ahead of the next team or the next defense. Sure. And so let's talk about you playing in the NFL. So talk to us about, so last year you signed an undrafted free agent deal with the Jets and you're with the Texans now. Tell us about, so what was the biggest eye-opening piece of transitioning from college football to the National Football League? Well, for me, I know that what I was getting myself into when I started playing football, didn't really understand the business side at that age, but I knew what I was getting myself into. And in college, I kind of learned a lot about the NFL on the business side. So when I got here, you know, it wasn't really much of a huge transition for me personally. Besides, like, the speed of the game, yeah, it's a little faster. And you got guys that it's their job to feed their families. So it's guys like that in the league now. So with that being said, man, it, was, it wasn't a big transition for me. I transitioned pretty well into the league, and I understood most of everything. And if I did know, I would ask questions and what are you most excited about with this upcoming season i'm most excited about looking forward like just looking forward to the season seeing what we can accomplish uh we work pretty hard down here and i'm just excited to see what the season holds sure and i know that you were obviously training really hard in the off season i mentioned uh, earlier that you know saw you in new orleans you were down uh, with robbie green i'll give robbie a shout out love robbie he's awesome with dynamic performance training but part of being a competitive athlete is always looking at how you can continuously improve and outwork that version of you that you were yesterday so what were some of the things that you were really focused on in your training during the off season just being real technical with my work being technical with my drills, getting stronger, getting faster, staying low as possible in my movements, just working on being more explosive, things like that. That was huge for me this offseason. I feel like I got that accomplished. So I feel good going to camp. Yeah, well, we're definitely looking forward to seeing you playing here very soon. So what I want to do now is I want to transition to my two-minute drill and just ask you some fun questions to end the show. Are you ready? Yeah, ready. <laughs> All right. The first question is, what did you want to be when you were 10 years old? I definitely wanted to be a professional football player when I was 10 years old. Okay. How about who would play you in a movie about your life? I would have to say my son. Oh, that's awesome. My son and myself. There you go. All right. And I know that uh, you have plans to, to do some traveling or you want to do some traveling in the future. So what would be the place that you want to go visit the most? It's a lot of places, as we discussed, but one place I do want to go is Jamaica. Okay. I have not been, but I've heard lots of great things about it. So one day, hopefully, I'll get there, too. One day. 
one day. How about, uh, what is your favorite ice cream flavor? Plain vanilla guy. There's a lot of people that are plain vanilla when I ask this question. Okay. Uh, how about, what is a pet peeve of yours? I mentioned losing earlier. So that's probably my biggest, but I really don't really have any pet peeves for real. Nothing really kind of gets under my skin as much. So, yeah. Okay. And I was going to mention this earlier too, when you talked about hating to lose, and there's a slight difference. Someone asked me once in an interview, do you love to win or do you hate to lose? And I said, I hate to lose. And there's a slight difference between the two. So when you said that, I wasn't surprised that you would have that answer about having that hate to lose mentality. All right. My next question is what book are you currently reading or what podcast are you currently listening to? As everybody should be listening to, uh, I am athlete. I love the podcast. It teaches you a lot of different things. They bring in a lot of different guys on there and they talk about a lot of real stuff. So that's what I'm currently into now. Yeah, that's a great podcast. My last question is you're hosting a dinner party and you can invite three famous people, living or deceased. Who would you choose and why? Man, that's pretty hard. I want to be around some funny people. Chris Tucker, for sure. He's a funny guy. DC Young Fly. Okay. Man, I mean, I guess Carlos Miller or Chico Bean off the 85 South Show. One okay. of those guys. I just want it to be super hilarious. So, yeah, I will pick those three guys. Okay. That would definitely be an entertaining and funny dinner party for sure. So, Shaheem, I got a couple other questions I want to ask you. One is because you did play on both sides of the ball, I'm going to ask, what do you prefer? I prefer to play defense, but every time I go back home, I hear people, man, you should have played offense. You should have played offense in college and things like that. And I'd be like, man, I mean, maybe you're right. Guess we'll never know. But I wouldn't be mindful of playing offense anywhere. I feel like I still, I know I still can do it. So, yeah, but I definitely still would love to play where I'm playing at now. Gotcha. Well, they do say that DBs are the hardest position to play in football and the best play that slot. So that position. So Yeah, definitely. All right. My last question is, well, two part. Do you have any last thoughts for our listeners? And then the second part of that is tell people where they can follow you on your journey. I don't really have any last thoughts or anything like that. For the people with questions, you guys can reach out. Uh, I'm on Instagram at Christmas underscore underscore five. And my Twitter is the same thing, Christmas underscore underscore five. Perfect. And we'll be sure to put those in the show notes so people can follow you on your journey. Well, Shaheem, thank you so much for being on the show today. It's been great having you on with us. No problem. Appreciate you. And thanks to everyone for listening. And we will talk to you next time. Until then, make sure that you suit up, you show up, and you move the ball. Thank you for listening to Move the Ball. To see more about what I'm up to and how I can help you to move the ball, check out my website at www.getinsidethehuddle.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. And also join the Move the Ball Facebook group for even more content and to be a part of the Move the Ball movement.